Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. This is Top Flight Time Machine. I am Andy Dawson. I'm Sam Delaney. Welcome along to the next episode of the Keegan Odyssey. We're going through Kevin Keegan's autobiography, uh, My Life as an Electric Mouse, uh, which is available in all good shops and on the Kindle, etc., etc., and probably at car boot sales. He mm. is the England manager at the moment. Um, he's not happy because uh, he's not allowed to bring in Arthur Cox as his assistant because mm-hmm. Arthur Cox is deemed to be too old by Howard Wilkinson, who is also quite old himself. Um, so just following on from that, uh, Kev then has a bit of a whinge because he wanted to bring in a couple of people to help scout opposition teams. And uh, he mentions this in his first meeting as England manager, but the official in charge of the scouting department cut me off mid-sentence to tell me the setup was fine as it was. He was obviously put out by what I was suggesting and his entire tone was, Kevin, we'll tell you which people are going to watch games, not the other way around. Uh, again, I let it go, but I was taken aback by his brusque manner and I asked Howard afterwards what he had made of it. Oh, don't worry about him, came the reply. He's getting near his pension now. So, Kev seems to think Howard Wilkinson's just obsessed with age and <laughs> pensions and retirement. Yeah, but <coughs> the thing is, this is like basically... All jobs. I don't know how many jobs you've had the misfortune of having. I've accidentally had a few. I believe you've accidentally in had a past, few. In the past, yeah. It, it's in the past. Don't it always turns it. out to be, For men like us, or any man, really, mm. any man with a spirit and a soul, yeah, it's not ideal. Sometimes you have to do it. Yeah. But one thing you'll find is if you go in in any uh, position of supposed authority whatsoever... Mm. The first thing that everyone will do is everyone who already works there will make it their business to prevent you from making any change. Yeah. Um, because people, you got to remember, and this is the flaw really in capitalism, <laughs> one of the flaws, is like no one's really, no one's really working towards the good of the greater whole. No. You know, everyone is working to protect their own little corner, yeah, right, and themselves. Yeah. And why shouldn't they? I mean, I don't, I don't want to get into that, but that is everyone's agenda. And mm. if you look at whether it's the FA, right, or whether it was you working at our price mm-hmm. at what I believe in the end was a fairly senior position. Well, yeah, so I was, I was a, a senior sales assistant by the end, but I was on the brink of management. I mean, you weren't. You, did did you ever get a sniff of the office of Sir John Alprice, founder of Alprice? No, I never visited the office, but I had I had all the responsibilities of a manager. 
Uh, yeah. uh, I was allowed to use the keys. I would cash up yeah. on a morning. There you, go. you know, I'd, I'd, I'd liaise with other branches um, on yeah. you know stock, stock, le- stock levels and things stock. like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was I was very. So you tasted what this is like. You yeah. tasted what it's like to have power. Yeah. Right. And people think it's all easy peasy, but actually, really, all you're all you're doing is uh, how much are you thinking of our price and the profits and dividends of Sir John Alprice and his sons, who I believe hmm. were also called John Al- Both his yeah, sons were also John Al- John Alprice Junior. John Alprice the and third. And John Alprice. Yeah. The third, yeah. Uh, or are you thinking of Andy Dawson? Right? You're thinking mm. of Andy Dawson and why shouldn't you? I'm gonna stop you there. I think this is not true. I think if I cast my mind back I was thinking about our price. We were all thinking about our price. I think our price might have been the closest thing this country's ever had to a socialist utopia. Is it what Marx had in mind? I think so. Yeah, I think because so. Marx was always banging on about the alienation <coughs> uh, that workers feel. You're alienated from your work because they feel we're doing this job, yeah. but we have no sense of what part we're playing it, in the greater whole. And we're not really doing anything that benefits us or that we can see positive results from directly. We're just a cock in a wheel. The only time... our price bucked bucked against that, didn't they? Mm. The only time was near the end when it started to not feel like a socialist utopia, which was when they started asking us to try and upsell CD cleaners with every purchase. And before Uh. that, it was a very, very loose, um, freewheeling organisation. But uh, towards so the we, end, do, do, capitalism kind of took over. In the olden time, in the early days, did you have authority? If someone brought a record to you and said, "I want to buy this," I want to buy this. Re- it's the best of Queen. Hmm. Uh, do you have the best of Queen? And would you have had the authority to go? You're better off buying this Sparks album. Like uh, even if the Sparks album was actually a lower retail price than the Best of Queen, no, because you know they'd made their choice. Sometimes they would come for advice and guidance, which I would yeah. give, which would always be get anything by Sparks. But <laughs> um, but if they came up with the Best of Queen and they wanted to buy that, it wasn't for me to you know say put a metaphorical hand on their shoulder and say there is a better way. And it sparks. <laughs> so, you know, it wasn't okay, like that. Right. So you stayed out of other people's business, in other words. Yeah. Um, unless they invited you in. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. the, the, the thing is, taking it back to this situation at the FA and this, this <laughs> uh, arsehole who was going, no, that's not how we do it here, Mr. Keegan. And Keegan is basically a nice guy, but could have said, oi, listen, mate, one of us is England manager. Yeah. And one of us is some anonymous fucking bureaucrat cunt, yeah. right? So I'll fucking decide who I send to watch the games for me, right? That is an important fucking... That is a role about communication, and therefore I want someone who I know I can communicate with, yeah. right? But this is what happens everywhere. I mean, it, it also reminds me of The Wire. Really, that show The Wire, mm. if there was one point it was trying to make across all five seasons it was that institutions are flawed because the individuals within it will always ultimately look after themselves yeah that's that's exactly true and that's that kind of didn't happen at our price 
but mm. it happens everywhere else, and it's it's why we will never have a socialist utopia in this country. And it's no coincidence that as soon as they started telling you, or not as soon as, but not long after they started telling you to upsell the CD cleaners, yeah. first Dawson leaves, yeah. and then our price disappears from our high streets. Yeah, it all happened really quickly. I think me leaving was probably the trigger for it, but... Um, then it, it changed its name. It was bought by some Australian company. I can't even remember what they were called. And, you know, within 18 months, it was all over. That that was... And that had been a stalwart of our high street for, <sighs> what, 20 yeah. years? And it didn't need to die. HMV didn't die. So, you know, our price didn't need to die. Well, it did in the end. But our it's price... still around. HMV's still around. There's still branches of HMV. Oh, yeah, there's one in Westfields in London. Yeah. But it just seems to sell video games. And magnets. <laughs> That's what that little dog had in mind, probably, when it was looking into yeah. that gramophone speaker. It was like that. in 1873. Right. Listen, the music—that's just a way in. That's a loss leader, effectively. <laughs> what we got—I've what I've got—is a 200-year business plan, <laughs> and what we ultimately want to aspire to is shops in big retail <laughs> arcades, which is what they're going to have in the future. And we're just going to be knocking out video games. And his Victorian <laughs> masters going, but what a video game! Don't worry about that. I'm they'll, from the future. There'll be a thing Don't that worry. exists, right? In twenty in the twenty first century, video <coughs> games, right? And magnets, magnets with like the Beatles on. Yeah, look, basically, the the, the music thing, it's a way in, and I'm prepared to just sell whatever <laughs> we fucking need to sell to keep this thing going for as long as possible. T-shirts that come in tubes. Fucking whatever. We'll sell them. <laughs> Records will come back headphones. into fashion. Headphones. In-ear headphones. Over-the-ear headphones. Bluetooth <laughs> headphones. Earpods. Anything. <laughs> Cheap ones, too. You know, seven ninety nine for a pair of fucking Bluetooth headphones. Now, that is fucking value. Shall I tell you what's going to keep this thing afloat? Every Christmas, Only Fools and Horses DVD complete box set, 1999. <laughs> that will always sell. <laughs> there are not many fucking guarantees in this life. Trust me, I know that better than most people, right? But there is fucking one, and that is that when it gets to day before Christmas Eve and you haven't got a clue what to get for your uncle or your fucking brother-in-law or your nan, sure as fucking eggs is eggs, you're going to go and fall back on a Only Falls and Horses box set. So true. Um... Should we get back to Kevin Kagan? Yeah. Yeah, so... This, all, this was all, as always, this tangent was strictly relevant to Kevin Keegan and his experiences at the FA. Yeah, it all ties in. Um, so he is he's having his first press conference as England manager at the London Metropole Hotel. Uh, he feels it was a success. The press are calling him the saviour of English football. Um... Uh, Kev says, I didn't get the sense anyone was unhappy about my appointment. More fool me. Uh-oh. <laughs> At the end of the press conference, Monty Fresco, who was probably the most famous <laughs> sports photographer in the country. It might, uh, who was also operating definitely <laughs> under a pseudonym. Yeah, yeah. My name? Yes, it's uh, Monty Mo- Fresco. Monty Fresco. <laughs> roll up, roll up. <laughs> And um, this moustache is an authentic human moustache. <laughs> <laughs> um, Monty Fresco asked if we could have a word in private. Monty, who had principles, which is unusual for someone working Ooh. in the tabloid press, um, wanted to let me know about a conversation he had eavesdropped. I am not going to tell you who it was, 
he said. <laughs> but I've just overheard two journalists talking, and the tone of it was, <laughs> let's get this bastard out as soon as we can. <laughs> <laughs> Monty said as he twirled his moustache <laughs> exactly, <laughs> with an incorrigible grin on his face. I'm not going to tell you who it was. Well, exactly, it was John Pigface. <laughs> Mr. Keegan, uh, please come aside. There is a private matter I wish to discuss with you. As you know, Mr. Keegan, I am fond to my shame of eavesdropping from time to time, and it is eavesdropping that I have been doing this very afternoon. <laughs> well, will you get to the point, please, Monty? Eventually, yes. <laughs> uh, uh, patience, young Keegan. <laughs> Some new I have been alerted to some rumour and gossip that may interest you somewhat regarding our friends in the press. It may be advantageous for you to learn of what I have heard. <laughs> alright, alright. Get on with it. <laughs> what have you swallowed a dictionary, Monty? <laughs> Um, I had known Monty oh, for a Monty Fresco. I'd known Monty for a long time. I trusted him, and I knew he would not tell me something of that nature unless it was true. I was grateful. Monty Fresco. <laughs> I've known Monty for a long time. Monty Fresco was a character played by Gene Keegan. <laughs> <laughs> and a false moustache and told Kevin the things that he needed to be told. <laughs> With a camera around her neck. Yeah. <laughs> I was grateful for the heads up. It saddened me there were journalists with their knives out for me even before a ball had been kicked. I'd always enjoyed ju- talking to journalists and as the football writers in the North East can testify, I bent over backwards at times to accommodate them. Some of the nicest guys I've met in football have been press men. Trouble is here that he's mainly been dealing with local football journalists who are quite benign and uh, they do try to foster a good relationship between the, the clubs and the managers because yeah. you know they feed off each other <laughs> it's a symbiotic yeah. relationship but when you're getting into the tabloid press and it's John Pigface when you're getting John, John Pigface Mr Keegan Mr Keegan what are you going to do if you lose all your games will you resign oh I don't know about that Mr Pigface I've only just been appointed to the job answer the question Mr Keegan answer it <laughs> Do you want the England fans to think you're ignoring them? It's a valid question. They're all, they're all asking it. You, you need to answer it. Answer it now. Also, did you have sex last night? And what position was it in? Was it with your missus? Or was it out in the bushes? With another fella, maybe? <laughs> it's best you tell us now, Mr Keegan. Then we'll, we'll go easy out. on you. We'll find then out. we have to find out for ourselves. <laughs> It'll make it all the worse for you. <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, with England, he says, I suspect there was a movement against me from day one because there were four or five of the more influential football journalists, the number ones, as they called themselves, who realised they weren't going to get any what inside info. What a bunch info. of fucking arseholes. Absolute the number ones. cunts. You know, these are the ones yeah. who fucking clog up, uh, what's it called, Sunday Supplement on Sunday Sky supplement. on a Sunday, Sunday. morning. Cunt-mullen. Yeah, more like I'll work on that, sitting but, yeah. there fucking high on their own self-importance, churning yeah. out fucking shite, shite spilling out their mouths, and not even fucking interesting shite, dull shite. The, the, 
the, the thing is, right, if you're going to talk about or write about what is effectively a child's game for a living, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. that's that's fine. Good luck to you. It's a fucking good job. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. But and men like us, fucking... men like us, gadflies who can't be tied down yeah. by regular employment. You know, we look upon that as a good thing. But yeah, 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 mavericks, right? The mavericks, yeah. rebels like us. No, but the thing is, just don't don't sit there, right? Like you are espousing on the fucking, you know, on what we. You're not part of fucking extinction rebellion. Do you know what I mean? What you are discussing <laughs> is not important. And you know what the irony is, right? And I'm not going to name names about any of these pompous fuckers, right? But if they would, if you got them onto the subject, for instance, of Extinction Rebellion, <laughs> they would be like, oh, 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 yeah, I've seen those. What are they, hippies or something? Clog it up Heathrow Airport. I was supposed to be going to Marbella on a golf tour. <laughs> but we were delayed for 20 minutes because those r- ridiculous hippies and left-wingers were clogging up the fucking entrance to Heathrow's business lounges. Right. Um, th- th- they they not only take themselves seriously, they take other people doing good things in the world. Mm. They, like, they, they treat them with disrespect and disdain. Yeah. And I just think it's silly. Jalapeño. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Jalapeño. And I'll tell you what, we talked about Ray Wilkins recently. And I'm not going to name the journalist, but there was a high-profile journalist who would have been one of these so-called number ones of their day. And this is sort of what made me start to look at those people in a certain way and yeah, you know, I've encountered some of them working at Sportsport, and some of them are, are perfectly nice. You know, not all of them are assholes, but there are some who, who think that they're fucking because they're writing in newspapers about a kid's game, think they're God's gift. Mm. And Ray Wilkins told me that there was one who, when he was playing, uh, was a youngish up-and-coming reporter, and would be a complete sycophant in pursuit of Ray whenever he saw him trying to get quotes and mm. blah blah inside gossip, whatever, whatever. And uh, Ray, because the gent he was, would always be very accommodating and pleasant to him. And then he said, in retirement from the game, when he certainly when he wasn't managing, he said he saw this bloke a couple of times in the business lounge at the airport, maybe on the way back from a big England game that Ray had been there doing punditry on or whatever. And he said, and the guy would swan in like he was a superstar. 
because by this stage he'd you know climbed the slippery pole and was a um, sports editor on one of the big tabs and he said that he used to avoid Ray's eye right he said he used to he went I couldn't believe it he was so pleased with himself very high profile this guy I don't think he's around on the circuit anymore maybe he's retired or whatever but he said that he he said I, I can't believe it he goes these guys they start to ignore you they believe in their own celebrity yeah. right and they start to think of themselves above the very players who effectively they've made a living off yeah. and I thought Ray's such a polite guy he'd say he's one of those guys who didn't have any ego at all he'd say hello and chat to anyone sort of thing yeah. and he told me about this particular guy and it made me think of the whole like that whole fucking breed of men very differently yeah, that's true. I mean, there's always people like that, isn't it, that are just basically out for themselves. It just comes back to what we're saying about our price, really. It, uh, it, so that it, is everything why comes back to our price. Everything comes back to individual greed and ego. Yeah. And, you know, if that can all get stripped away, as I think I think we successfully have done that, well, to ourselves and within trying. this podcast. Yeah. It's what we're trying to do is slowly we're on a journey to strip away all ego. Yeah. First from ourselves sort of just see ourselves not even as human men but mm. as just a collection of vibrating sale cells yeah. that are connected to a sequence of other vibrating cells that are all around us be that plant life animal yeah. life or other or crucially other human beings and to understand that whatever harm you do to other people you are doing to yourself and vice versa and so the cosmos. that's all which that's all we've ever been trying to say through this podcast but unfortunately that what i've just said doesn't boil down to a catchphrase that is short enough to print on a t-shirt or iphone case not yet and that's why we don't say it very often (coughs) i think it's kind of like the same ethos that john lennon and yoko ono had and i think if john lennon was still Mm. around he would be an avid listener to this podcast and probably um, a vocal supporter of it and possibly uh, even a guest as a one-off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Sorry, <laughs> I'm good at John Lennon usually. But um, but talking to John Lennon, right? He sang... Yeah, why not? Right, in All You Need Is Love. <laughs> right? There's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. Right? Mm. Tell that to my brother, Theo, who turned up at his book club a week early, right, a few days ago, and was stood outside his mate's house down the road, holding a bottle of wine, looking like a complete cunt. And, (laughs) you know, uh, sometimes I think the Beatles were a bit overrated, only in as much as some of their lyrics didn't add up or stand up to scrutiny. And that's just one example of why. Do we know what book it was? And had Theo read it in advance? Yeah, I think he does the thing. He fucking read the book and everything. And he claims it's his favourite day of the week or his favourite day of the month. I don't know how often they do it. But he scuttled along clutching his bottle of wine and he stood outside his mate's house thinking, where is everyone? Usually we all arrive at the same time. And his mate came out to put the bins out (laughs) and said... And he went, all right, what are you doing here? And Phil was like, I thought it was book club night. And he's going, no, you silly cunt, you're a week early. So, you know, oh, there's nowhere you can be that isn't where you're meant to be. Well, yeah. I'm sure he went home with those ironic words ringing in his ears. I'm glad we're not invited to that book club because it would take like 56 hours, probably. 
What for in, you in the st- or in to the, get down no, from the, Sunderland? In the style of these these deep dive podcasts, we were going to sit for an evening oh, and go yeah. through a We'd book. Be, no one wants us at their fucking book club. <laughs> we would be the worst <laughs> guests you could possibly ever invite to a book club, wouldn't yeah. we? They'd be like, we're only supposed... My wife only lets us use the, the downstairs lounge for this for an hour and a half. And Andy and Sam have been talking about Andy's time at our price for 80 minutes already. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's going to see him all go, go home soon. <laughs> Is that Rocky Book Club finished? Oh, God, yeah. So where were we? We've, uh, we've had Monty Fresco. We've had the um, the number ones, as they call themselves, the journalist. And Kev said, uh, there was a movement against me from day one because these these number ones realised they weren't going to get any inside or preferential treatment as long as I was in charge. Which is, you know, in, in the whole grand scheme of things, um, we've got Kevin Keegan, he's the New England manager, he's an England legend, he's a, he's a successful football manager. Surely, for the greater good, everybody wants to see England succeed on the European and world stage. Not John Pigface and Co. Well, it's, it's going to be, you know, railroaded by these five fucking egotistical, honking fucking cunts who aren't going to, whose egos aren't going to be fucking struck and they're not going to get their own way. So they're going to derail the whole thing. So there we are. Well done, everyone. Pathetic. Yeah. Pathetic. Um, I've got less respect for people who are trying to protect themselves protect their egos or boost their egos than I have for those people who are trying to protect their wallets. Because mm. usually when I talk about people who are looking after their own interests, what that usually means is people are just trying to protect their own living, right? And although that's not always ideal, it is at least understandable. But the worst people are people like that who it doesn't actually... um it's not a negative for them to have Kevin Keegan as manager, really. It's just that he's not giving them as much ego stroking as they would like. Yeah. You mentioned respect there. I've got more respect for the uh, the turd that the, my dog laid on the kitchen floor overnight than I have for, for those number one journalists. Because at least that turd is honest. I, Do you know what I mean? I it, sent a WhatsApp message. to You know, yesterday I told you that I'd been in a dispute. Yes, you did. I told you off air I'd been in a dispute, the details of which I cannot yet outline on air. <coughs> yet. But in a, I had a sensational back and forth over WhatsApp as part of this dispute. And part of it was I told I told the, the person who I was in dispute with that I had lost all respect for him. <laughs> and I, I really said it, seriously. Um, it's not often I write something like that, but there you go. It felt good. <laughs> well, it's not often I've seen you riled, I, but... Um... I have I have lost all respect for you. It's quite a pompous thing to say, isn't it? Like, why would anyone give a fuck about my respect for them? Do you know well, what I mean? It's like, well, you are I, assume he, he, I assume he would have responded with a shrug. Like, <laughs> well, good. <laughs> Whatever, granddad. Good, I don't want your respect. <laughs> um, Kev then moves on to talking about the final days of the England job. Uh, in the end, I'd stopped enjoying it, he said. That began a long time before I set off on the lonely, unforgiving walk from the England dugout to the tunnel at the old Wembley, listening to the vitriol of supporters after losing 1-0 to Germany in our first qualifying match for the 2002 World Cup. Um, that's a bit unfair, because there was only the first 
qualifier. It was against Germany. They lost 1-0. So, you know, that's not the worst result ever, is it? It was no way the worst result ever. Jesus Christ. Certainly there's been worse since. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just the way in which the John Pigface community uh, rile up the yeah. England fans about what they yeah. should rec- To be honest, right, the way in which the England team is written about and talked about and the attitudes towards it, not so much recently since Southgate's been manager, I feel as if people have become a little bit more, after generations of failure, there's there's a young young audience the England team now who are less entitled, let's say. Than, than previous generations but mm. you know really that community is a microcosm of the sort of whole Brexit constituency and the problem with a lot of this country is that just as you know we were fixated on things like you know the the, the 1966 World Cup victory and as a West Ham fan you could never accuse me of being fixated on that right no um, of course not but, but you know all that sort of stuff about we invented the game we won the World Cup in 1966. Yeah, 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 we are yeah, a great footballing nation and therefore we expect somehow to be reaching the final of every tournament we enter. Similar, you know, it's just like the fact that there's a, a fucking constituency of cunts with their own John Pig faces in other parts of the newspaper who think that we once had an empire and we, and we won the Second World War on Some our landed. own because yeah. because Churchill made a couple of good speeches on the radio about it do you know <laughs> what I mean and therefore we should expect certain things like we're above the rest of Europe etc 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 it's the same sort of deluded fucking island race mentality that has uh, uh, impacted upon the, the England team's fortunes and now on the whole nation's fortunes Exactly. Very good speech, that Sam. But the thing with Southgate is as well that Southgate's currently going through a bit of a purple patch, and that won't mm. last forever. And it's not no, in their it's, him. it's exactly it's not in their interests to turn against him, even though we we didn't win that semi final of the World Cup. It's not in their mm. interest yet to turn against no. him because the people but it can happen very quickly. It will happen very quickly. It won't just be tabloid newspapers. It'll be gobshites like Piers Morgan on Twitter because they're going to be the new yeah. fucking rabble rousers in the future so it, it, it also you know, it's Southgate's always, having a nice the, time at the, the minute but that's not going to last the tipping point comes um, when someone like Piers Morgan or someone else senses that there is a glimmer of an opportunity to be controversial and counterintuitive so they won't wait in Piers Morgan like the art of being a professional controversialist oh, slash gobshite yeah, is to identify that sweet moment before things take an obvious and explicit yeah. downturn, right? For you to start <laughs> about against someone when it feels unfair to do so. Yeah. So it's better for Piers Morgan to attack Gareth Southgate when he's still fairly popular because that will provoke the biggest response and reaction. Yeah, yeah. and it won't just seem and like so, one, one voice in a crowd of millions... He's, he's not. He's not going to bloody. Yeah, he's not going to wait for us to like not qualify to the Euros or something or to the next World Cup because that would be too easy. In the media, there's like people really now journalism uh, or anyone really with any access to the media is trying to say stuff to get attention above everything else. Like the three pillars of journalism used to be. Um, uh, factual balanced and 
something else sexy i think and uh <laughs> knockers <laughs> yeah knockers big knockers <laughs> and um now it's like half of them are just the like what's the quickest way i can get attention and make a name for myself yeah. i yeah. might write something on um i might write something on the spectator in which i just say i hate the chinese don't trust them that'll fucking yeah everyone will get wound up by that yeah and it doesn't matter there's no comeback or anything like that it'll get attention everyone nah. will get wound up on social media and well, then we'll move on not to the only next is thing. there no comeback if i write it get it published on like say a a, a, a reputable outlet let's say let's yeah. take spectator for example right so you go right i'll get it published there they will publish it because the editors won't be thinking, is this valid, a valid piece of journalism? They'll be thinking, this is sufficiently controversial for us to attract enough clicks to hit our advertising revenues yes. for, the, for this yes. month, right? And um, so they'll publish it. They don't give a fuck, right? They'll publish it. And then the cunt who's written it will get loads of attacks on Twitter <clears throat> and they'll sit back, laugh, maybe stir it up a bit more. And when everyone's saying to them, huh, yeah, and all, all, all the, the, the liberals, people like you and me, are going like, well, we wouldn't say this, but other liberals would be going, huh, yeah, you'll probably never get work again after expressing this outrageous opinion about the Chinese. <laughs> and the professional gobshite will be sitting there thinking, with a, with a fag on the go, going, oh, is that what you reckon, is it, sweetheart? I'll just sit back and wait and see. Then, Sunday night, ring, ring, ow. Oh. Is the phone. I wonder who this cunt is. Hello, John Gobshite. How can I help you? Yeah, hi. This is Tarquin. I'm a researcher on uh, Good Morning Britain. Um, we wanted to get you on the sofa tomorrow with Piers and uh, what's the name to uh, to uh, talk about uh, why it is that you hate the Chinese. We saw that you uh, stirred up quite a lot of uh, big reaction to it. Would you like to come and sit on the sofa and be an absolute fucking cunt with Piers Morgan? Yes, I would. How much will you be paying me? Hmm. We'll pay you £300 and we'll send you a taxi both ways. And there's free croissants in the green room. Yeah, fucking great. I'll be there. And then it'll be TTFN, dickheads. I'm a fucking superstar of journalism now. What's that? The Express want me to do a column. Thank you very fucking much. <laughs> exactly. Next week, exactly. Next week, why I'm sick to the back teeth of benders. <laughs> 500 words, there you go. PDF invoice attached. And that, and that is why the only true future of the media is paid for content and that is why you have to subscribe to the Iron Filing Society because you will yeah, get truth because if not what because if not me and you are going to have to start doing that stuff doing becoming contrarians <laughs> yeah <laughs> becoming professional cunts and there's already Susanna Reid's already got an exclusion order out against me so I can't go on fucking good morning Britain oh, so fucking hell so I'll have to be our mouthpiece won't I yeah it'll be Muggins so. here sat next to Susanna Reid again yeah. Mr. Delaney, uh, I'm the floor manager, uh, Justin. Oh, all right, mate. We, we'd rather if you sat on the sofa and not on Miss Reed's lap. All right, mate. Fucking hell, calm down. I didn't <laughs> realise I was sat on her lap. I didn't know where to sit. No one told me. <laughs> <laughs> no one said I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. You want to be a bit more fucking explicit it. in the way you fucking brief your guests, mate. You're not doing your job properly. And now you're pointing the finger at me as if I'm some sort of sex monster. 
<laughs> no, I didn't say that. Yes, you fucking did. It's what you're all thinking. Sorry about this, Susanna. I'll get off I'm your lap get in you a minute. Sacked, you cunt. <laughs> I'm going to write my column about you. <laughs> right, uh, that's all we've got time for. We haven't covered a great deal of Kevin Keegan, but it was all relevant, I think. It's relevant because, you know, the the, the the story of Kevin Keegan as England manager is very much a parable, a parable of its mm. time and a prophecy of the times we live in now. It is. That's what I'm saying. It is. There we are. And thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back with another one very soon. Ta-da! Make sure you subscribe or Trump's one. make decisions for your company you look for the no-brainers and if you have a lot of mailing to do stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer it streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient which makes you less busy mail checks invoices legal documents and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.